Thank you. Zach can grow a beard, man. Yeah, he can. Like, and pretty damn fast because I feel like you were baby facing it just like a couple of days ago, and then that shit yeah. just like, yeah, like magically manifest itself. It's in a hurry. Yeah, it's good genes. The good only genes. good genes I have, but it's good genes. <laughs> All the rest of his genes have big holes. That's right. <laughs> Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are John Christian and Troy Sandlin. How are we doing this fine evening? We are fantastic. We are moderately spectacular tonight. We are recording this on the 24th which means that uh, we are getting ready to dive into a very chaotic, awesome month. Um, so trying to fill the backlog a little bit and share with uh, you fine folks all the things that are coming up and all the things that we've encountered so far this month. It's going to be a busy episode. Um, I, boy, I don't even know where to start on this one. We've got a lot of news to cover uh, right out the gate. And then we're going to take, uh, we told you guys last week, but we're going to take this episode's main course and dive into Arcadia a little bit more. Um, we are certainly not going to do an in-depth dive, probably, for every issue of Arcadia. We're not going to become the Arcadia podcast. Um, but... We thought it might be cool to dive into this first one just so uh, our listeners have some idea what they can expect from an MCDM magazine every week. This is kind of going to be the magazine episode in general, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into our dessert course, the short, sweet topics of the week. Um, it looks like we got several and some of these are kind of on the longer side. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in with a short and sweet one, um, right out the gate. Um, I got my copy of supers and sorcery in the mail today. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about this on a really early episode. We like, did because I, mm -hmm. I backed this because I want to incorporate this into something that I'm doing. Heck yeah. So, Supers and Sorcery is uh, put up. It was a Kickstarter last year by our friend uh, Cameron Day, Daylight Publications. Um, they did a Kickstarter, and we talked about it, and we backed it. And lo and behold, I got a book in the mail this week. Um, Supers and Sorcery is basically what if superheroes were in your D&D game. Yes. Um, if that sounds interesting to you, then this book is for you. I think I uh, think more more to the point, if it doesn't sound interesting to you, why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Run them off, Troy. Run them off. Yeah. yeah. Run them off. Boy. I'm not, I'm not on. too interested in modern superhero 5e. Mm-mm. Um, I'm maybe interested in a modern superhero game, but not in a fifth mm -hmm. edition collection. Uh, so this is a really great book in that it it's fantasy and superheroes, which I think is a unique blend. Um, it's a really nice, colorful book. It has the comic book sort of feel to the art and to everything. It's like 220 pages. Um, it's available on Drive Through RPG. I would definitely recommend it if you're one like Troy who's interested in adding that sort of thing to your game. Well, I've, I've uh, done that before in, in old games that are run in third edition. It, but that made sense to me, right? Larger cities mm -hmm. like Waterdeep, Palanthus, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. crime is rife. You've got organized crime. It's, it is ripe for a Batman-style fantasy character to suffer the, the woes of uh, organized crime they burn their guards. family farmstead down or something like that, and they've, they're out for either vengeance or they're out for justice. And so they, they take to the streets, and like, kind, of, kind of like the, the shadow, like the old radio plays kind mm -hmm. of vibe. Yep, I, I, like ran, I ran up 
a fantasy Batman one shot long, long time ago. One of the first things I ran in fifth edition. It was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to uh, dive into this book. And my goal is to, like Troy said, pull a few things out of it because I think my home games would really uh, dig this. Also, I had a thought, Troy, that's right up your alley. I think that the perfect place to inject this book is Sharn. That's mm-hmm. say no more because if my players are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Go yes. away. Yes, yes. That's that that's the plan. That is the plan. That'd be cool. Like even a um even like a campaign where you play the heroes in Sharn in Ebron would be awesome. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, the city of towers, it's perfect. Yeah. It's the it Gotham of Eberron. Yep. 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 Anyhow. Okay. Well, let's move on since since that's we're stealing Troy's game's <laughs> thunder. Um, <laughs> let's see. Good grief. There's so much. Um, John, you've got a couple here. Why don't you share, us, share with us your two notes? Yeah. So the first one we'll go over, for those that haven't heard about it yet, there's Level Up, which is something that in-world publishing is putting together, which is like Dungeons and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons for Fifth Edition. You've got the base mechanic of, of 5e, which is really streamlined. It's not concentrated on a, on a lot of crunch, super crunchy, like a Pathfinder Third Edition or things like that, or even like a Fourth Edition, which was like all the way on the far end of the spectrum for crunch and tactics. Yeah. And for the people that love that and that love the the mechanic of 5e, if you want to make it more complex and you want to uh, kind of dig deeper in, in, into the mechanics and make it more crunchy or crunchier. Uh, that's what level up is. Mm-hmm. It's taking existing character classes and uh, th- that mechanic and ratcheting it up in, re- in regards to little bits and pieces uh, that kind of like flesh out uh, adi- like move, using bonus actions for this. Uh, I think they've had like a, they're introducing, reintroducing the warlord as a class was one of the things that they did. And I'm not going to go into like all the bits and pieces and details, but I'm going to encourage the players to go out there and form their own opinion going out there. There's lots and lots of playtest material that's out there for people to read. Uh, My personal opinion is it's incredibly interesting. I think it's not only is it interesting, it's, it's ballsy for in world publishing to take it on because it's a really, really big task. And they're calling out or calling out to the community to help them with beta testing and, soliciting uh input uh it's similar to the way that watsi has done in the past and it's it's uh good for them you know it's it may it's probably not something that i'll end up i may glean some ideas from from it for creating my own subclasses or something like that maybe but i don't know that it's something that i'm going to all abandon 5e for or that i'll spend a lot of time using Uh, i think that what's really surprised me the most about it though is the reaction at least that i've seen it's pretty visceral reaction from a lot of the gamers in social media, when they'll post something, it there there's like it's like a, a um, there's a backlash about it, like mm-hmm. most unnecessary addition to fifth edition ever. You know, it, it's kind of like the response <laughs> that you get, which you know I kind of talked to Troy and Zach about this before we started recording. But like, who gives a crap? You know, if, like if you don't want to play it, don't play it. But don't you don't have to spend like why well, spend take the effort of dumping on you know on yeah. something that somebody else created if you're not interested in the first place? Just move on. The biggest complaint I've seen with 5th edition of late from the player base is that a lot of the classes are too simple now, right? Mm-hmm. Like fighter, barbarian, blah, blah, blah. These classes don't feel like they have enough meat on the bones for the average player to enjoy mm-hmm. playing them long term. And so to me, that's an indication that the game is ready for its next phase it's next iteration i think tasha's we talked about that right tasha's began that idea of like let's make things a little bit more complex let's let's make abilities a little bit more noodly uh you definitely see that in the third party stuff that's being made um Mm -hmm. we're advancing towards a more complex game um that's that's the nature of everything so to say you know level up is going in the wrong direction is completely false. We're going there. Maybe they're just there a little bit early, but we're going to get there eventually as a group. Oh, yeah. And and my argument to, you know, if, if uh, you know, some of these classes aren't complex enough for you, maybe that's because all you're doing is looking at your character sheet and reading numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
play the character. You know, that's that's yeah. the that is the the Achilles heel of a lot of veteran play of veteran players that I've noticed. That the only thing they think about that their player can do is what's on the character sheet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. only the mechanics. It's only the numbers. And they like I love that about a lot of newer newer players since they don't know what their player their character can even do. They just ask, can I do this? And it may be something that's either off the wall, out of the box. And as the DM, I'm like, that sounds really cool. Yes, you can do that. Yeah. Don't worry about where it is. We'll roll a, a dice and we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. That being said, there's definitely like, there is no comparison between the complexity of a fighter, of a champion fighter, and the complexity of a transmutation wizard, as an example. Oh, oh no. Sure. Oh, yeah. Right. And but, and I know that from a role play perspective and from a like, you know, a MacGyver perspective, you can always do things that aren't on your sheet. But even for you know a veteran player, a hardcore role player, or anything like, there's going to be those games where you're in a combat, and combat is the name of the game, and the 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 fighter feels boring right now. The fighter feels boring. Well, and, and there again, but you also have to have you absolutely those, do those champion introductory fighters yeah. because yeah you don't want to blow some new new person out of the water with with something that's you know way over the top. But I think what a lot of this uh, level up is doing is kind of kind of up my alley as well because I love finding little bits. Mm-hmm. And putting them in the game and see what they do. Like just recently, uh, in my home campaign, um, I am I am beating the ever living snot out of out of player characters right now. They have <laughs> not had a chance to rest. They've been on the run. They're being chased. Um, they're coming up on a on a defen- defensible position, and uh, I mean they they're, they've been spending resources like mad. The dragonborn was like. I want to use my breath weapon on this group of, of baddies. And it was like, you used it last week. You haven't rested yet. You haven't got yeah. it back. I said, but I'll tell you what, if you want to spend me a hit die, I'll give you your breath weapon back. Mm-hmm. She immediately, yes, I'm doing that. It crossed off a hit die and <laughs> used her breath weapon. It's like, great. Now, when you when you have your chance for a for a short rest that might be coming up or it might not be coming up, you're down one hit die and and you are low on hit points. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have that. I have rules for being knocked out, not unconscious as the rules are in Five E, but just mm-hmm. walk up one punch, <laughs> knocked out, mm-hmm. things right. like that. So, this is the kind of stuff that I want. It might not always come up in the game, but I want to have access or at least the the, the thought of how that's going to work before the opportunity presents itself. So I'm not trying to come up with this cool rule on the fly. I have I have th- stuff like Level Up and some of these other game systems that I've looked mm-hmm. at that give me a little bit of extra crunch, lingering injuries. Yeah. Um, you well, check like it that. out. So, what may may help here? So, looking at the, I'm looking at the the warlord, right? And it is a full blown class, and the and the warlord is almost like a co- a, a combo cleric bard party buff mechanic is what they really lean into. They got rallying surge where they use a bonus action to heal their allies, or they force they not force, but they allow their allies to use a hit die to heal themselves in the middle of combat, not in the middle of a short rest. They also have different traditions and combat combat directives that they've been trained in, like sanguine knot. Uh, they use they have points that they can they can utilize, almost like they like the battlemaster uses dice yep. instead of a dice pool. They got a point pool. Uh, they can use one point as a bonus action. Choose a creature within your reach. The next ally within twenty feet that makes a melee weapon ag- uh, attack against that creature gains minor advantage on the attack roll minor advantage so that's like even some of the language that you go in here there's more to it than just more uh combat options for the different subclasses and kind of expanding some stuff there are mechanical changes that they're making at the fundamental level with some of this stuff it's not just you know what's what's already in in place stance is another one legion combat stance 
a stance is a thing. It's not just something that's for the warlord. It's for other classes have the stance feature or ability. Mm. On each of your turns, you gain minor advantage, again, on your first weapon attack made against a creature that within 30 feet of you, right? So, again, players or uh, listeners, I invite you to go out there and I think they've got nine documents that they've released so far. They, there may be more at this point for it. And there's there's just tons and tons and tons of information in there. Yeah. They've got, to me, like, I think my, my beef is the... Is the the naysayers like who cares? If yeah. you don't want to use it, don't don't use it. Move along. But there's some really neat stuff in here that that the that's that's uh, that's coming out of the thought process of look. If we're not beholden to the fifth edition mechanic the way that it is, and we want to do a little something different, if we want to kind of slide the scale a bit, it opens up a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities. It's pretty neat. Yeah, and 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 Russ and the in the uh, the Ian World crew. Uh, they're not expecting you to take this book and and whole cloth, poof, drop it into your five E campaign. I mean that's that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. The, you know, read through it, cherry pick what you like, leave what you don't, and and try it. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, well, take it back out. Yep. yep. Make the game yours. Yep. Yep. So that's that's one of them is the the level up stuff. Again, go out there and read it. Really interesting stuff. The other thing that I wanted to just really briefly touch base on is we got some news. It's actually it's relatively old news, but it's it was Q4 2020. We got news about um, a Dungeons and Dragons live action film that they're currently mm-hmm. currently being worked on with Chris Pine, uh, Star uh, Star Trek, the new Star Trek movies. He's the he's Kirk. For those that aren't familiar with the name, but Chris Pine is going to be like the leading man or one of the leading people in the the film. But then we hear a little bit later on down the line, CEO Brian uh, Goldner of Hasbro uh, releases uh, a statement, and I'm going to read it kind of word for word here. The team is also working on a couple of different approaches because there is so much mythology in canon uh, to adapt from Dungeons and Dragons for live action, television specifically, and there's been a very strong interest talking to global streamers, yada, yada, yada. So um, the a television series is an, yet another thing. So we've seen a, a steady uptick year after year of interest, um, uh, exposure in media, in social media of Dungeons and Dragons. And their, their sales are going up by 20% every year for the last two or three years in particular. Uh, so there's this huge interest. This is a groundswell from the, from the community of, of interest and now it's starting to trickle you know the with the success of, of uh, franchises like uh, Game of Thrones Lord of the Rings uh, Harry Potter and on and on and on now it's like is this going to be the next big franchise the next it, like the the fantasy equivalent of an MCU and yep. is it going to is it going to dovetail with film and television so what do you guys think about that Zach. Everybody wants everybody wants <laughs> to have the next Lord of the Rings trilogy or the next Game of Thrones TV show. There's so right. many fantasy shows in the works or that have already tried their hand at it. Um, D&D is the next one up to the plate. You know, we're also going to see the uh, Lord of the Rings TV show mm-hmm. coming up before too long uh, by Amazon. Um, I think that, like, I'm excited about the talent that they've already put behind both of these ideas, the, the movie and the show. Um, I think that I was on the 307 RPG podcast uh, last week, and one of the things I said there was, like, I really like the John Wick uh, director angle because, um, to me, that tells me that action is in the forefront of their minds, which I think is a really great idea for Dungeons & Dragons to say, we're not going to be, we're not going to be high drama like Game of Thrones, we're not going to be epic fantasy like Lord of the Rings. We're going to be the swashbuckling, pulpy, you know, sword play. And I, I kind of have a secret hope. As much as he's overdone at this point in the novel side, I kind of have a secret hope that they're going to lead off with like a cool Dritzt adaptation um, because I think that that is what D and D is right now, and it'd be really cool to see. Um, for the listeners at home, by the way, uh, Zach is uh, was mentioning uh, Derek Kolstad, who is the the guy that they've tapped for uh, writing the the series, and he wrote uh, John Wick one, two, three, working on four, 
Uh, he also wrote a couple of episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He's got a TV, or the Hitman's TV series uh, that's mm-hmm. coming out. He's currently in, in the process of writing for that, too. So no. the guy's got a pedigree uh, for yeah, action does. in and, particular. And, well, counterpoint to that. I mean, Zach brought up the whole action aspect of it. Now, he did John Wick in one of my, and I love the John Wick movies, but one of my favorite aspects of the Wick movies is the layered world that that takes yeah. place in. Yeah. The the action is 100% in the forefront, but mm-hmm. yet you've got this, you know, a uh, uh, franchise of hotels all over the world that mm-hmm. these, these hitmen or what are, you know, assassins for hire use. There's a, there's a hierarchy, there's a ruling council. There's yeah. this whole other world under our world that none of us know about even. And for him to be able to pull off the action sequences that he that he writes, but then also to have that layered story that that propels the action. Because to me, those John Wick movies are almost like the perfect balance. You've got an awesome story yeah. kicked off by a you know a, a dead dog, but <laughs> the 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 world that 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 action lives in. I want to know more. And I also heard, and I don't know if this is still true or not, but I know that they were at one point developing a John Wick spinoff TV show called Mm -hmm. The Continental. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's still a thing or not. I haven't heard anything for a while. But it's like, yes, that's give me that intelligent storytelling and give me that over-the-top, mind-blowing action and combat sequences, and that is a perfect D and D movie right there. Right. Yeah. Well, sure. you know, if we're we kind of we can uh, fiddle back and forth between the two uh, for uh, TV and film. The directors that they're currently tapping for uh, the movie is John Francis uh, Daly, who is from uh, the, the the littlest nerd or geek in the Freaks and Geeks TV series. All grown up, studly looking dude himself, and has done really, really well for himself writing Spider-Man Homecoming, Bones, uh, worked on um, Family Game Night. Um, okay. Between him and Jonathan Goldstein, Jonathan Goldstein's done uh, like horrible bosses. He worked with uh, uh, Daily on, on some of the other ones. So they've got good writing talent here. I mean, Homecoming was, t- I liked Homecoming. I loved it. A lot of the other stuff is, is good. Uh, David Arneson is also tapped for it. Uh, the only thing that I think concerns me about the movie is that they've got Courtney Solomon back producing, and that always terrifies me because he's the one that produced the 2000 version of D&D, and uh, he also directed it, and he also wrote it. And so I don't know what level of, of input he's going to want to have uh, in it, but if he could just stay away from it and let them do their business, <laughs> I would be, I'd be pretty happy with that. <laughs> or, or maybe he's learned. He has not, uh, because if you look at the if you look at the movie or the stuff that Courtney Solomon's done since then, it's uh, it's all B movies stuff that goes direct direct to video stuff. He's oh. also the one that produced uh, Wrath of the Dragon God for the D and D sequel, <laughs> Universal Soldier Re- Regeneration, and on and on and on. He's working on a Red Sonia on top mm. of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, so he's kind of got his little niche that he's worked yeah. out in in Hollywood. And I'm disappointing. Disappointing movies. That's so he's like a, he's like a, an, an Uwe Ball. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. Pretty much. Awesome. Uh, okay. Well, let's let's hop on over. We're, we mean we got a long new segment to, this week. Uh, Troy, talk about Winter Fantasy. Winter Fantasy. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Winter Fantasy twenty twenty was the last in person convention that the three of us were able to go to. Um. <sighs> Held in uh, bright, sunny Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the first week of February. Um, that is our, it's our family get together every year for Bald Man Games. Uh, we descend upon the city that hates money, and we play games. We go out <laughs> to eat. We we uh, hang out at the, uh, the local establishments after the con is closed and talk about our tables and things. And, you know, it's, it's hanging out with 300 of your best, closest friends for, you know, 
four or five days, or if you're smart, you'll come into town even earlier or maybe stay longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Fort Wayne's in my backyard. So I actually work in Fort Wayne about three blocks away from where the, the con the convention actually happens. So yes, I am sad that uh, it's not going to be there in person this year, but we're doing it online. Um, we will have uh, links in the show notes, the doobly-doo. February 4th through the 7th. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, even though it's not in person this year, and I'm bummed, and I'm not going to get to see uh, everybody that I usually do, um, I will say this. Because of, uh, you know, the events of 2020, driving everything online, um, and the things that we have done to uh, fill the gap of in-person play at conventions and events with Baldwin Games, um, our family has done nothing but grow this past year. We have got people from all over the world, people from different parts of, of, of the country that would never have a chance to come to a thing like Winter Fantasy, and they're going to mm. be there this time. And they'll be able to be there every time after that because we're always going to have an online component going forward. Um, yeah. You know, I've got, I now have friends from, you know, out in California, uh, Australia. Um, I, I made some new friends from Austria, Germany, Brazil, uh, the UK, uh, just this past weekend. So, Winter Fantasy, that family get together. While online is a bummer, but our family got bigger, so that's that's an awesome, awesome thing. There's still tickets available, but they are going fast. Mm -hmm. um, I've still got some tickets left for a couple of my games. Zach does too, and so does John as of this recording. So yep. they might be sold out by the time you hear this. Maybe not. But uh, I encourage you all to jump on Winter Fantasy and uh, grab you some tickets and uh, come play some games with us. Hang out in the Discord servers afterwards, before. Um, make some new friends and join the family. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll, yeah. one thing that I'll, I'll add to that, very well said, uh, <laughs> your comment about Fort Wayne being the city that, that hates money <laughs> is totally friggin' true, it's man. totally true. For, listen, hey, if you're listening to this, we want you to be a part of the in-person fun next oh, year. Oh, we do. We really, like, I want you so badly to play at my table. And I'm not, that's not me being a kiss-ass at all. I love playing games for people, or running yeah. games for people at Winter Fantasy. And it is freaking cheap, man. If you want to play some D&D, &D, and if that's all you're interested in doing, if you're okay, or if you're excited about playing D&D, &D, Winter Fantasy is your jam. It's, the, yeah. it's what you've been waiting for. Because if you can get out there, it's like 100 bucks a night. 115 yeah. bucks a night or something like that for a hotel room and five bucks a night for um for uh for parking and the tickets are cheap the registration is cheap the food, food is, cheap. is cheap holy moly man it is yeah. the Make it, it is the diamond that's like hidden buried under the mountain that only just a few people know about right now man and there's it, a part it, of me that wants to really protect it but man i also want to be able to share it with others. Share it, it is yeah. so awesome yeah you know we've got all the you know the the fast food chains right around the 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 con site we've also got some great local places um if you if you want to make i encourage people to do this you know take some extra time make make it a true vacation mm -hmm. we've got some fantastic local restaurants they they know what they're doing um some some cool things to do around the city it's 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 a it's a it's a smaller city but uh, you know it's it's nice it's 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 clean we're, we're, we're friendly. I mean, we're in Indiana. All we, all we have is like, you know, corn and, and bad weather. So we have to be friendly or people won't like us. So yeah, come out if you can, if not get online, let's play some games. Amen. Yep. Here, message, here. message any of us or message us on Facebook. If you want to play in one of our games and are having a hard time finding how to do that. Yeah. Yes. Um, we'll yes, be happy please. to have you. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, Hey, uh, let's, let's dive in, uh, to the, the final news piece and then we'll, yeah, take that opportunity to dive into the full thing. We we promised we were going to talk about magazines tonight. So that's what we're going to do. Um, first and foremost, I'll remind everyone, we talked about it last week, but, um, 
the Drifters Quarterly is still on Kickstarter. We're approaching the last few days, but uh, you should still have a few days as of this recording to get in and get yourself uh, some sweet, sweet magazine goodness on Kickstarter. Um, Drifters Quarterly is going to be a quarterly magazine filled with uh, articles, sneak peeks, previews, exclusive content from third-party TTRPG creators. Um so if you want to know what's out there, but you have a hard time sifting through all the different sites that you can go to and Kickstarters and Drive Through RPG and the DMs Guild and blah, 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 blah. Um, this magazine's going to help you find what you're after. Um, so I would recommend you checking out the Drifters Quarterly. Um, that is a great lead into Zine Quest 2021. Zine Quest 3 is happening this February starting on the 1st, going all month long on Kickstarter. Um, Zine Quest is a big deal, y'all, and it gets bigger every year. Um, do you have $10? Do you have $5? Do you have any number of dollars? Well, you can go onto Kickstarter during February and find something cool to throw that money at. Um, Kickstarter does this every year during this month where they help uh, RPG creators who want to make a little zine booklet uh, of a game. Um, they help them promote it and uh, get it out into the world. So there are tons that will be dropped. You will be saturated with ideas and um, you know, there's ever there's going to be everything from adventure modules to campaign settings to whole new games, uh, books of monsters, um, everything, everything, um, all different styles. I've had the pleasure of working on quite a few, helping people work on quite a few, and getting to see previews of quite a few of the zines that are coming out, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so uh, the the the. I don't know. What do you, do you guys have? You guys hopped on the zine train or the magazine train at all uh, for fifth edition or or in this era? Uh, kind of. I'm getting pulled into it. Yeah, with especially with, with our main topic and with the the stuff that uh, like Motherload and mm -hmm. and and other things. Uh, mm -hmm. Drifters Quarterly. I I was a subscriber back in the day to both Dungeon and Dragon magazine. Um, Inquest, uh, Shadis. Oh man, I don't even. I've forgotten. White Dwarf. White Dwarf for for yep. a time. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I never got too big into uh, tabletop wargaming, but uh, uh, White Dwarf actually started out as a D and D magazine mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. But I every month I always look forward to getting that that package and, and ripping it open and see you know the awesome cover art. Uh, the cool stories, the 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 articles, the new rules, all this stuff, the new adventures, um, and in the, in the digital world, that, that's that's gone, pretty mm -hmm. much. I don't get magazines that I get excited about like that anymore. Um, yeah, I I love the idea. I mean, I I look at uh, Dragon Plus, mm -hmm. you know, all the time, but it's it's digital, so it's yeah. you don't get that tactile feeling um well and it's the thing my my lament about dragon plus is it's and it is what it is uh is it's just one really long boring advertisement a lot of the time for me it just doesn't it doesn't really add anything to the game there's nothing there's no, there's nothing really extra very often that i see it whereas with these zines these are new ideas they are risks that people are taking but they're 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 big but small Right, the mm. the level of investment that they have to put into the the something that is that is different, odd, uh, that's a little it's off the shelf. Uh, it's good that they're getting the the uh, the attention that they get through Zine Quest in particular, and it's I mean it's like the barrier to entry is low for yeah. as a purchaser, mm -hmm. and so to me, I got some extra scratch after returning some stuff at Christmas or something like that. I'm going to invest, you know. 50 to 100 bucks and just go down the line and you know even if i buy 10 10 zines and end up coming out with like three nuggets oh man totally worth oh, the yeah. investment you yeah. know or i could pass yeah. off the other stuff that i'm really not interested to somebody else that might be more so but yeah man it's it's uh it's kind of like the 
I don't know. It's just it's it's bite sized, and that's what's that's kind of what this is that's about right. the, the conversation that we're having here, right? Yeah. Right. So yep. I mean, it, that's exactly what it is, and these are really really cool. Like I said, off the wall ideas that are not readily published or publishable. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it almost kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the level up. It's just in a different form. Mm-hmm. You know, level mm-hmm. up is going to be all in one one book, all in one collection. Zine Quest is ideas like that in others spread out amongst other, you know, smaller publications that you can get. And you're going to find a nugget here, a nugget there, and a new favorite widget or whatever, magic item, monster, something. It's just fun to get, too. Like, I just yeah. got, um, I got a couple weeks ago a little zine called Maximum HP. Yeah, Which so is I. a, yep, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just, a, you know, a, what is it, like a 40-page zine full of undead mm-hmm. lore and nuggets. Um, it's a fun thing to get in the mail. And and who uh, doesn't want 40 pages of undead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, my and, players and, don't. I know that, but they're going to get it. That's right. That's right. No, I love it. Um, so yeah, I think zines are on the rise and the, the big, the, the thing that has risen to the top recently mm-hmm. is Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Um, Arcadia is Matt Colville, MCDM's Patreon offering, um, they've had a Patreon for a long time, and they didn't really give anything to Patreon supporters. That was kind of understood across their community, but they wanted to change that. So they decided they were going to make a digital magazine. Now, I have heard talk, several talks actually, that they are looking into making this print, or at least co- making a compilation in print at some point. But for right now, it is a, again, about a 40 page. Uh, digital magazine of articles for 5th edition. Um, we have all, all three of us have had the opportunity to look through it. Um, there's only four articles in it, which I think actually like lends itself to all those articles being pretty high quality. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's overseen by James Intercasso. Um, who, who, who has been on the show. Who has been on the show and who we really like. Um and then it has four new-ish authors. Um, you know, they went. They're going for a very diverse, very up-and-coming, swinging for the fences sort of crew for these issues. And I think that they've succeeded on that. Um, these articles are going to be uh, from folks called Leon Barillaro, Bar- uh, Gabe Hicks, Willie Abiel, and Sadie Lowry. Um, which are four brand new names for me. Gabe Hicks is the one that maybe I knew a little bit of, but um, it's got a killer layout. Uh, so, so overview, killer art throughout, yes. killer layout, um, murderously good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would be happy to put this book on your shelf. You would be happy to have a print of this cover hanging on your wall. That's oh, yeah. that's the caliber that yeah that we're talking. The map. The interior art. Sweet. Sweet. Interior art is is top notch. It's as good, if not better, than anything else out there that's in print. Anything that's in print. And it's not you're I mean, there's there's a nice amount of art. Could there be more? Oh always. But it's not at the sacrifice of less content. I mean the content is just busting out and the art is just it just you know it's the cherry on top mm-hmm. the layout and design is top notch mm-hmm. like even like it's something as simple as the color palette that they went through or that they yep. went with for things is just it's inviting it's warm uh, where it needs to be cool where it needs to be uh it's just inc- it's really really it, this is really well done this is not just, this is obviously and they, it kind of needs to be right. This is the first, the first one that they're going to end up putting out there. They got to put their best foot forward. So it does, it would make sense for that. So let's see what happens whenever the second volume comes out. I doubt that we're going to see a drop in any yeah. of the quality, but uh, this is a hell of a, a hell of a start, man. It's really, oh, it's really, it really good. And then, and then it looks good, and that's kind of what the eye candy that brings people to the table. And it's like it lends it, itself to, it lends to its own legitimacy. Aside from it just being MCDM, and you know, we don't like the the world at large doesn't know who these authors are. But it's been it's been carefully curated by Colville and his staff that he has. He's kind of like 
um, that he's, he's used to spearhead the, the project. Uh, but the content is really good. Like I focused on one, each of us focused on one for, for the sake of the, the podcast to kind of go over. Uh, but for, like the one that I read through, it's just really good. And it mm-hmm. does, it's not like overly complicated or a lot to digest. It's, it is, again, bite-sized morsels in a magazine. You don't have to use the entire thing, but there's something in there that I would be willing to bet 80 to 90% of the people out there, player or DM, they're going to end up using in this thing. Yep. Yep. So, that being said, since we're already a super long episode here, <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and let's do a quick note uh, yeah. on the three. We'll, we'll do the first three articles, I think. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll leave that last one for uh, you fine folks to dive into yourself. Uh, and try to pronounce the name of it. So That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let, let, let's start here with the adventure that we get in this, mod, in this uh, issue. Uh, Troy, talk to us about the workshop watches. The workshop watches. Uh, this is an extremely unique adventure, um, and it, it's in my wheelhouse. Uh, it, I can really reflavor this and make it Eberron. Um, it is a workshop that was created by some wizards that uh, to help them with their experiments, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, in true Terminator fashion, it uh, has gained sentience and tries to really help what's going on, uh, sometimes to the detriment of the uh, the wizard and his assistants that were there. Oh, so it's a Microsoft product. Cool. It's a Microsoft product, or Cyberdyne, if you don't want to go real <laughs> sure. world and get sued. Yep. But whatever. Yep. Um, fine, whatever. The, uh, the, the place is called the Structure for Assistive Magic, or SAM for short. Uh... And it, I, I kind of feel like I don't really, I shouldn't say any more about what's going on, and I don't need to, because the the idea for the adventure is just that, it is a workshop that uh, wizards use to make new stuff, and it has gained sentience, and it's brand new. It's a child, so it doesn't know what's going on. It doesn't know how how strong it is or how far it can push its limits. And of course, I'm sorry, Elminster. I just can't do that. Yeah, I'm it's like it's like Hal from 2000, yeah. right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's trying to it's trying to figure. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that part. Um, but uh, people have not heard from the wizard in a while, and of course, the the player characters are the ones that are going to go check it out. And I mean, it's not a super long adventure. It's for levels. Where's it at again? I missed it. It's a fifth level. Yeah, for, for for yeah, fifth level. Um, so you know, a lot of fun. It it just the art for the for this adventure is is cool. It gives you the it gives you the flavor that you want. Um, the maps are very nice. I I like the maps. You get two of them, and you get more. Uh, at the end of the at the end of the magazine, they've got links for some other. Artwork. You even you even have notes, and it looks like paper that has been torn out of a book, and mm-hmm. and written on that you can uh, give to your your player characters as as clues. Solid adventure. It it reads like a lot of fun, and I mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely going to try and put it somewhere in an Eberron campaign. Uh, maybe not my current one if uh, if I can't figure out how to put it in there quick <laughs> enough but uh yeah it's it's cool i love it it's great yeah um i love it it's 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 i know that originally their idea was to not do adventures in arcadia but i think it's a cool little note it's got some kill it's got a killer map mm-hmm. um it's got a new monster that you get to to run with it um I think it's I think it's really great, and also it shows what can be done with a very small page allowance. Like, I always like really short adventures like this. Uh, there's yeah, just something about them. What nine, eight, yeah. eight pages, plus two maps. Yep. You know. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so moving right along from the adventure, we get the Titan Heart article. Um, Basically, this is a new sorcerer subclass. Um, 
which we, you know, there's a lot of subclasses out there, and you never know what you're going to get. Um, you've heard me complain on recent episodes that I feel like we are kind of growing stagnant in a lot of subclasses, especially put out by the bigger companies, um, where they're averse to taking risks or pushing the idea of what this, the class can be out further. This class, this subclass, y'all, is exactly what we should be doing. Um, you may not like the flavor. It's up to you. It may not fit in your world. Up to you. But it's the right direction for the game. Um, Titan Heart is the uh, bloodline, quote-unquote, but the idea being that that you have the power of the Titans within you. Titans being um, those primordial entities like a kraken. Um, and you can use that energy uh, to cast spells and also to do other things. And what I really like about this class is, or the subclass, is that it has as as its intent that the sorcerer that comes from it feels completely different than another sorcerer. Um, the Titan Heart Sorcerer is all about growing to large size and then later to huge size, gaining a bonuses to AC, bonuses to damage, um, basically making your sorcerer a potential frontline fighter um, for time. For time. For time. That's cool. And then another thing is that oh, that I really like. Um, I, first off, I really like that that we're that we're setting the sorcerer up to do something different. But then it goes one step further and says, when you become a titan, when you grow large or huge, you gain access to more spells, exclusive spells that can only be cast in that form, and they're all elemental designed. Um, I really like that because it's it's going back and saying we're not just making a a tank sorcerer, but we're going to also double down on what makes a sorcerer a sorcerer, which is spell casting, and we're not going to leave that behind. We're going to advance it. Um, I love the idea, and I I did it in in a product that I made a long time ago. But I I love the idea of this class or this character gets access to spells that nobody else gets access to. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes them super unique. Um, so, uh, I guess all that to say, Titan Heart is a really interesting endeavor. It will fit in a lot of settings, um, but even if it doesn't fit in a setting, I think it should be chock-a-block full with inspiration for folks who are wanting to design their own subclass or things of that nature oh yeah you want to you want to create you know everybody's always trying to stat out the superheroes and stuff as dean as D, &D classes and characters you want to make an incredible hulk there you this go this is this What's, is pretty close yeah this is like incredible hulk meets dr strange right yeah yeah yeah. Um, I'll note that at the end of this uh, article, they do something that's very helpful. They give you an NPC stat block for a Titan Heart Sorcerer, and then they give you, Colville has what he calls retainers, which are basically simplified NPCs that uh, can level, um, and that he's got one of those mm -hmm. for you as well. So I really like that those were added, and I think it It'll help you test it as a DM before you incorporate it, maybe. So, yeah. I like it. All right, John, uh, bring us home. Last yeah, article. Maybe. I love this. One of my players um, is a paladin. And one of the quintessential things that a paladin received back in the day is a mount. Some special mm -hmm. kind of mount, and you you get that with fine steed as a spell these days. But even still, a lot of the flavor of this being kind of like a tornado for Zoro or um, nice pull. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Right, well, that's like super. That's like a super throwback right there. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Shadowfax 
for Gandalf or whatever, right? And on and on and on. Or there's silver for Michael Knight. Kit for Michael Knight, thank you. At night, yeah, silver for the, the Lone Ranger, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's not just any run of the mill animal. Um, you want to, I wanted to be able to, to, to give him a little bit more to kind of like stretch the mechanics a little bit of, of, uh, the, the mounted combat in D and D, which is okay, but not spectacular. Uh, it, this article that's in here, uh, is called jumping on mounted combat and it's by Willie Abiel, but this is the one that he put together. And, um, Willie even kind of goes into like, look, so the rule focus in D and D for mounted for mounted combat is just mount movement. Uh, cre- the unique creatures and traits don't really arise when they're being ridden, mm-hmm. because of the, sh- the action economy and how things are shared, and whether it's a, a sentient creature that uh, that can act on its own turns, or if it's a big dumb animal that the rider has to maneuver and all that good stuff. Uh, so the first thing I think he he goes into is all right. We should we should be able to do it not an overhaul necessary, but let's tweak some of this a little bit to see if we can make it more than just a beat, a beast of burden that's going to get me from point A to point B. Uh, so they talk about the mounted trait in a, in a, in a creature is as something that's added to, appended to a creature now, and that it takes a certain number of days to. Um, to acclimate the rider to the animal. It's almost like attuning themselves to the animal is a, is a concept. And then uh, what ends up happening, though, is that relationship between the two of them, the the rider is then able to imbue the mount or impart the mount with their proficiency bonus for certain things. So um, a less skilled rider might impair the mount's own ability because it supersedes it. Even if they're, if the proficiency bonus is a plus two for a uh, for a lower level character and it swaps it out the end right so that reflects their ability to or not to be if the mount is too much for them right mm-hmm. uh, so the their proficiency bonus is applied to things like their AC ability checks attack rolls saving throws DC to resist any effects etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, in combat the trained mount shares the rider's turn and the mount can move take a dash and disengage or dodge action on their own or they wait for their the command of their rider and then they can do additional stuff uh, they even talk about some stuff like uh, vaulting attack where um, mm-hmm. you do a really cool dismount jump off bonus action do some extra cool stuff because you you've got the high ground you jump onto the bad guy uh, you jump on the uh, the mount they talk about mounts without uh the riders on them and what does that mean do they get their own uh their, their own turn at that point they kind of leave that in the hands of the dm for the story arbitration they get to make the decision on the fly some of the great the best stuff that's in here though honestly the, the mechanics it's just like it, again it's not an overhaul it's just a tweak to it. it's like and which i think is perfect especially for, for a magazine you don't have a lot of a lot of space mm-hmm. to kind of go into like a, a complete rework of things like these and and why why even bother, right? Why overcomplicate it? Again, go super, super crunchy with it. Uh, the next several pages are dedicated to special mounts, the special kinds of mounts. There's the basilisk, the giant toad, the, the hippogriff, the nightmare, and then uh, the owlbear mount. Oh, my God. I'm so excited oh, about yeah, that one. That's awesome. And then the, the warhorse, right? The, they the want warhorse. a baseline. You, you have want exactly. Yep. Um, they, the, this is the fine steed variant version of a warhorse uh in, in particular but this warhorse is not the one that's in the, in the monster manual by a long shot there's they get things like war charge three times per day battle nay once per day uh combat stomp and some of the things one of the things that i also forgot about is with uh hit points all mounts receive a certain number of temporary hit points that reflects again that relationship between the rider and the mount the mount's ability to uh the rider's ability to protect the mount from uh, from uh, from damage from other creatures that are around based on their own skill set. So it's like the Warhorse mount, for example. Their temporary hit points are four times the rider's character level or challenge rating, things like that. Uh, and then they talk about, like, mounted creature taming. You're out in the wild, you find a hippogriff, I want to ride that thing. So they go into some really, really quick uh, and dirty details on uh, the DC and the result, right? And it's distance from DC, not just a flat DC. 15, you got to hit at the end. If you're under by a certain amount or over by a certain amount, then there are certain other things that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the last bit is they have like a desert encounter that is a is an example of happening upon a creature that could be a mount, and then you 
gaining that mount as uh, or at that creature as a mount, which is pretty awesome. It kind of it goes runs the full gamut. It's like here's how to do the mounted combat. Here are a couple examples, and then here's DM if you want to incorporate this into your game. Here's the flavor for getting getting that mount in there. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely. It's, it is succinct. It is tight. I mean, there's only like it's less than ten pages. It's really really good stuff. I will be using this in my game 100 percent for my for my uh, for my care, my uh, my player. And there's enough okay. in there really to where you can take existing monsters mm-hmm. and then take the the idea and do some bolt on. With some of the stuff that's already, like, grab something from the giant toad, grab something from the war, war horse, and turn it into a dire goat, right? Or something like that if you want to. Do you know, there's some cool stuff in this, too. Um, there is, like, a, in this adventure in particular, I don't know if, it, I can't, I don't recall if it was in the other one, but they have audio files embedded in the PDF for the box text for that encounter. So you can just click it, and it's a download. It takes you to an MP3 download, and you can play mm-hmm. that for your players, so that you get that cool ambiance setup. Um, yep. So there's there's a lot in this Arcadia doc that oh, yeah. you just gotta kind of dive into. I just gotta say, if for no other reason you you get this magazine to check it out, the the artwork for the giant toad mount, <laughs> yeah, perfect sells it. <laughs> Spot I mean, on, man. Just Spot on. Yeah. Get it, look at it, and tell me I'm wrong. I'm, I yep. dare you, because that yep. is just awesome. Yep. Uh, do you not want to ride an, a, a mount with a power called Power Hop? Yeah. If you don't, then I don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fellows, it has been a while. We have mm-hmm. thoroughly covered, I think, the, the news of the week and Arcadia. Um, there is one more article that we didn't get into, so I'd encourage all of our listeners to dive into uh, Matt Colville's Patreon. Uh, maybe throw him five bucks and get a copy for yourself. Um, or keep your eye out on the MCDM website, and these uh, issues will be going up there for a little bit higher price. I think they're going to be seven bucks. Seven bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So um, one way or another, I'd recommend you give it a look. I think it's worth your money. About five um, bucks a month. Five bucks a yeah. month, people, shut up and give them your money. This is yeah. like, it is so worth it. Oh, yeah. It's not very often. It's not very often I'm going to sit here and like pound the uh, the uh, the pulpit and try yeah. to, to push people to buy a product. This is a no-brainer. This is such a good product, and it is so cheap. Well, and here's the other thing, right? It's five bucks a month for three months, and then you're going to get a break. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You, you yeah, know, no long-term uh, commitment. I don't think we we hit on that. This this is a test. Yep. Uh, MCDM this this is their test of of the Arcadia platform. They're doing three issues, then they're going to stop. They're going to see. They're going to assess what went well, what didn't go well. Is it something that people still want? And then if it is, and they they think they can make it just as good, if not better, than what the three issues first were, they're going to continue on. Then at some point they, they may stop again and do another reassess and then go forward. He I mean, if you know Matt Colville, he wants to give you good stuff. Period. Yep. And so, I'll note that he was sitting at like five or six hundred patrons pre this and he's up to seven thousand patrons now. Yeah. So crazy. there is definitely a lot of people flocking to this and we think you should be one of them. Yeah. Um Somewhere else that you should flock is the uh, Bite Size Gaming Facebook page. And you should give us a like and a follow. And you should tell us what you think if you picked up Arcadia. Um, and you should yell at us about Winter Fantasy and get in on mm-hmm. our games. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. basically, you should just make yourself uh, known and a nuisance. Yes, please. Uh, on that yeah. Dull on nagging that pressure. That's yeah, what we're looking Girk, for. Girk is on his own out there being the, the our lone nuisance at this point. He needs some <laughs> friends. Yeah, yeah. Girk, uh, it's time to rally. Rally, rally, the, rally the annoying people, Girk. That's right. Yeah, oh, by the no. way, uh, if you are a player in one of our games coming up, either in the, the virtual D&D weekends, Winter Fantasy, or what have you, uh, I want to hear. I personally want to hear about your experiences with Zach and with Troy. And if you have any problems with me or any of the three of us, please send your emails to mydmsucked at gmail.com. 
Again, that is mydmsucked at gmail.com. I will do I would like to do a mean tweets. Uh, yes. where, where the three of us read out loud our players' experiences for our tables on the fly during a podcast. Yes. That'd be we, great. We will read anything. What you write. <laughs> anything. As long as there are no racial slurs, yeah, we, you, misogynistic <laughs> anythings, or disparaging comments about my height or dwarves. I will not. I won't do it. Okay. I will read the ones with the disparaging height. No, send all of your your Dragonlance hate email directly to Troy because I don't think I can. Yeah, like physiologically, yeah. if it'll come uh, out of me. You so. will watch him cry on 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 live on live. Stream I'll do it. As he reads I'll do it. Series. I'll weep openly. Yep. Uh, I will also note, um, as part of that Facebook thing, uh, we talked about ZineQuest earlier. Uh, I talked about how we've got some stuff in the works for that, and also we're helping some folks with their ZineQuest projects. Um, all that will be posted on the, on our page as well. Um, ZineQuest is going to be a big deal for us, and we want it to be a big deal for you as well. Uh, we think you're going to find something, whether it's ours or somebody else's, where you're going to find something uh, in that event that you are drawn to. So we'd encourage mm -hmm. you to check it out. Um, I think that's it. That better be it. Uh, thanks so much to Troy and John for hanging out one more time. Um, thanks to all you fine listeners for hanging out with us and we'll see you next week. Have a great game, everybody. Hope to see you at, uh, Winter Fantasy or a virtual weekend or something. Yeah. Quick. See you there and be safe. Take care, everybody. That was a joke. Stupid joke. Sorry, I thought it was in my head. It was really funny. And then I was like, "That, that bomb." That, just disregard. <laughs> disregard. Just whatever. I thought it was funny. Whatever. So I'll try to find. Uh... I'm still recording, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Course, yeah. I love how Zach just like. Yeah, so let's talk about something else. Let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. let's move on. Yeah. Whatever.